pray. Our Heavenly Father, we would come before Thee now in prayer, Father, at the start of this Gospel meeting. And Father, we would pray for this meeting. We would pray that Thou wouldst give us help. We would pray that Thou wouldst be with each one here who is not saved, Father. And we would just pray that they would realize their need for salvation and that they would be saved. Father, we know that Thou canst save here, and we would pray that Thou wouldst save each one that would come to Thee. In Thy Son's loving and precious name, Amen. Turn, please, with me to Romans chapter 5. Thank everybody for coming and for staying. Romans chapter 5. Pick up a well known verse here. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Turn please back a couple books to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And we'll start reading at verse 33. Luke 23 and 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified Him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiments and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. For a final reading, turn to the Old Testament, please, to Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 1, and we'll read at verse 12. Lamentations 1 and 12. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold, and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, 
wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. From above hath he sent fire into my bones, and it prevaileth against them. He hath spread a net for my feet. He hath turned me back. He hath made me desolate and faint all the day. That's all the reading that we'll do today. The title I have over my message today is, Is It Nothing to You?, which is what we read in that last place where we read in Lamentations there. Is it nothing to you? And the message that I would like to speak today is very simple, as the Gospel usually is. I'd like to speak about man's ruin. I'd like to speak about God's remedy. And I'd like to speak about your reaction. First, let's speak about man's ruin. We read there in Romans chapter 5, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. With Adam, the first man, sin entered into the world. Once sin came into this world, once we chose to sin, death came upon all of us. And God in His infinite glory and holiness cannot tolerate sin. Sin has to be punished. God is a very just God. You know, there's. I heard an interesting thing lately. Is there anything, as an age-old question, is, that philosophers like to trick Christians with, is there anything that God can't do? Could God create a mountain big enough that He is unable to move it? And if you say no, well, yeah, it's a foolish argument. But you know what? I think there are a couple of things that God cannot do. And I don't think it limits Him in any way. But the couple of things that I think that God cannot do is God cannot go against His character. God could never become unholy. There is no way He could ever do that. And another thing that God cannot do is God cannot allow sin to go unpunished. He cannot do that because He is a just God and that would be going against His character. So we have sin entering into the world and that causes the ruination of man because God has to punish sin. There is no way that God cannot punish sin. And so whether you bear the punishment of that sin or somebody else bears the punishment of that sin, the sin has to be punished. That's man's ruination. It started with Adam. It continues today. You know, we're reminded of how sinful we are when we look at the cross. And we read this story, not the story, well it is a story, but it's true. We read the historical account of what happened in Luke chapter 23. And where we read there about all those that looked at him and mocked him and reviled him and said, if you're the Savior of the world, Savior, look, he saves others, he can't even save himself. They mocked him there. And in Matthew we read that they sat down and watched him as, as if this was entertainment to be watching him hang there upon the cross like you would sit down and watch a movie. They mocked him there. They held him in derision. In Matthew it also says that they passed by wagging their heads, mocking him. 
That's where we see how sinful we are. You might say, I have a lot more reverence than those people do. I would never do that. I, I'm not saved, I admit that, but I really, I would never, ever mock the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would never mock God. And I would, wouldn't even take God's name in vain. You might be thinking that, friend, but what those people did there, you are every bit as capable of doing as they were. You may think you may not do that, but what we see there is we see our sin. We see our ruin when we see those people standing at the cross, sitting at the cross, watching this great spectacle and mocking Him. We see our own sinfulness. It's very clear there. We are sinners. And we deserve to be punished. You think those people there that mock the Lord Jesus Christ, you think that God would really want to punish them? Friend, there's no difference. There is no difference between what they did and what you do when you don't accept what He has offered. You might not be outright mocking Him and saying, that's foolishness. That's foolishness. I don't need that. You might not be doing that. But friend, if you're rejecting the Savior, there is no difference. You're headed to a place called hell. We can't soft-coat this or try and make it something that it's not or try and make it better than it is. It's an awful place. There will be no let-up from it. There will be no reprieve whatsoever. You will suffer there for eternity. Why? Because God is holy and God has to punish sin. This is a terrible predicament that man is in. We sin. We brought death upon ourselves. And yet God has to punish sin. And so, there is a place called hell where sin will be punished. But our story doesn't end there. As you all know, because you hear the Gospel every week, and sometimes even more than every week, the next part of the story is that we have God's remedy. God did not... God has provided a way so that we don't have to suffer for our sins. So even though we have man's ruin, man's sinfulness, where we are all sinful people, we all are capable of mocking the Savior there upon the cross. We're all capable of the worst of sins. You know, I heard it said that it is impossible until after you're saved to realize the true depravity of man. And I, I believe that. The true depravity that is in our hearts. You know, we look at other people, we look at a, at a serial killer or somebody like that, and we say, wow, you know, that's amazing. But friend... And I'm not saying that we are all serious. We are all serial killers, but we all have that potential. We're all sinners. And we all deserve to be punished for eternity in hell. But God in His infinite love provided a way out. He provided a way out such that we will never have to suffer for our sins. Oh, God will still be satisfied because sins will be punished. 
but you will not have to bear that punishment because he has provided a way so that you don't have to bear that. And that's his son's death on the cross. We read it there in Luke. And there they crucified him. They crucified him on the cross. You know when we first read there, as by one man sin entered into the world and so death by sin? Well, you know what? He didn't sin. He never sinned. Therefore, he should have never had to die. But he did die. He allowed himself to be so cruelly treated. He allowed people to walk by him in mockery. He allowed people to punch him, to spit on him. I can't think of a more degrading thing than to have somebody spit on him. He allowed man to spit on him. This is somebody who has the power of God because he was God. He has the power to do anything. He created these very people that are spitting on him. And yet he veiled that power. He willingly allowed himself to be so cruelly treated. He willingly allowed man to do all those awful things to him, to pound that crown of thorns into his head, to open up that back with that lash. He willingly allowed all that to happen so that he could suffer for sins, not his own, but for our sins. This terrible predicament that man is in because of our sins. The Lord Jesus Christ, He took care of it there on the cross. When He suffered there, when He was nailed to that cross, those nails through His hands and His feet, and when He suffered and died there upon that cross, He bore all of our sins so that none of us will ever have to. You got that, friend? He was crucified there. He suffered there so that we will never have to. We have man's ruin. We have God's remedy. God in His infinite love and lamentations we read, Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow. Nobody had ever suffered or will ever suffer the way that He suffered. But you'll know some of that suffering if you don't get saved. You'll know a tremendous amount of suffering as you're in hell, suffering for your sins. Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of His fierce anger. God punished His own Son God afflicted His own Son with His fierce anger. Friend, what do you think it's going to be like for you? What kind of punishment are you going to have to bear when not only are you going to be punished for your sins in hell, but you're going to be punished because you essentially have said that you know what? The suffering that the Lord Jesus Christ 
did there upon the cross, I don't need it. I stand with them who mock. I stand with them who made fun of Him, who did all these things, who sat and watched as entertainment. I stand with them. Friend, the suffering that you're going to go through in hell for rejecting our Lord Jesus Christ, for standing with them that stood in mockery. We can't even begin to enter into it. But it's serious. It's real. It's true. And it will happen. So now we get down to your reaction. And your reaction can be one of two things. There's only two options here. Two things you can choose. You either choose to be saved or you choose to be lost. And you know, there's a default choice here. If you don't choose to be saved, you're choosing to be lost. So what is your reaction when you're faced with the fact that you're a sinner? What is your reaction when you're faced with the fact that God has provided a remedy? What is your reaction? Are you with them that mock the Savior? Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Is the Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross, is it nothing to you? If it meant something to you, would you go on not believing it? Not believing that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered for your sins and is enough to pay for your sins? If it meant something to you? Maybe it means a little bit to you. It either means everything or it means nothing. Ask anybody who's saved. That cross, that suffering on the cross, means everything to us. Everything. It is all we are resting on. It is the most important thing that has ever happened in our lives and will ever happen. It doesn't matter whether the day we got married, the day we have kids, all those things, they're unimportant compared to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered on the cross for us. It's everything for us. But is it nothing to you? What does it mean to you that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered there upon the cross? Do you handle this matter lightly? Is this something that you think, well, you know, I've got lots of time. I'm not really rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ because i got time and I may accept Him someday. Well, then you're still rejecting Him now. How long are you going to go on rejecting Him? Right now you have the ability to be saved. We read in the Scriptures, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We have no idea if there's going to be any opportunity <coughs> after right now for you to be reached and saved. Friend, the door of salvation is open now. You're still breathing and you're able to accept it. Is it nothing to you? Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Are you going to be one of those that just pass by the cross? You know, maybe, maybe you don't mock, but you're just going to pass by. You're going to miss salvation. You're not one of the mockers, but 
You, you have kind of respect for all this. You come and listen. You don't make a scene. You kind of respect this. But you pass by. And it's nothing to you. Friend, this is a very serious matter. Very serious matter. There's nothing more important. You know, there's a story of a man back in the Great Depression in the 30s. His name was John Griffith, and he had an eight-year-old son. And he was fortunate enough that he had a job. And his job was that he would... He operated on the Mississippi a, a bridge that trains went over, and it was a drawbridge. And the bridge would have to be open for ships to come down the Mississippi, and would have to be closed for the trains to go across. And this one day, he took his son to work with him, and they went out onto a overlook area to have their lunch. And the bridge was left open because there wasn't a train coming for quite a while. And they had their lunch, and <coughs> they kind of lost track of time. And finally, in the distance, they heard the whistle of a train coming. And the father realized, John Griffith realized, I've got to get back to the control house so I can close that bridge. Because that's 400 people on that train that are coming and the bridge is open. And so he went back. He told his son, just stay here. I don't want to alarm you. Just stay here. Don't move. And he went back into that control room to close the bridge. And he saw, as he looked out in horror, that his son had followed him, but had fallen a little bit and gotten stuck in the gears that closed that bridge. And he saw that if he closed the bridge, his son would be drawn into those gears and killed. He heard the whistle of the train in the distance. It was steaming towards him. All those people on that train would die if he didn't close that bridge. And he made the awful choice to close the bridge. And as he was sitting there in that train station, or that station, and he watched the train go by, and he looked inside and all the people, and all the people were in the cars, enjoying themselves, reading the newspaper, drinking tea, having light conversation with each other, and tears are streaming down his face. And he says, he's screaming out, Don't you know what I've just done for you? I sacrificed my son for you. Doesn't anybody care? Friend, the Lord Jesus Christ suffered and died there on the cross. God gave him to suffer there. He allowed him to suffer there. And he poured out his fierce wrath upon him. He afflicted him with his fierce wrath. But don't you care? Is it nothing to you? Are you going on in your life just going on about your business? When this meeting is over, you just lightly leave and go about your business? Is it nothing to you? Or is it everything to you? Don't you care that I gave my son for you? God is saying, is this a matter you handle lightly? Friend, be saved. Right now in the seat where you sit, you have the opportunity to be saved. We would pray that each and every one here would realize their need for salvation and be saved.
It, the door of salvation is open. I don't know that it's going to be open tomorrow. I don't know that there's that you're going to be able, those of you that are going to the meetings in Terrigal, I don't know that you're going to be able to go to the meeting tomorrow night and hear those preachers speak again. I don't know any of that stuff because we're not guaranteed of that. But right now you have an opportunity to be saved. Right now you can be saved. Or is it nothing to you? Friend, we plead with you. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in Him and be saved today. In closing...